0: The fact that we are here to celebrate not only the birth of the Messiah. But also to celebrate the fact that he came for one purpose. And that was to reunite us with you through his blood being shed on the cross. And we praise you for that. And we celebrate the gospel this morning. And we are gathered together in your name today to worship you. Lord, as we do that, please take the cares of the world away from us just for this short time so that we may fully concentrate on You this morning. As we sing, that we will listen to the words. We won't just say words out of reputation, reputation because we've heard these songs so many times. But we will actually fully understand what we were singing. And we will sing them with heartfelt, felt love and gratitude dear lord as i speak today speak through me that we may hear from you today and our lives be changed forever we give you all the honor and glory for it all and it's in the holy and precious name of jesus christ our savior we pray amen
1: would you stand as we sing our call to worship we'll sing the first and third verses of silent night Would you stand please? This is our second week of Advent, the time of waiting with excitement and joy for the coming of our Lord and Savior. We are going to ask the Pendleton family if they will light our candles for us. First, we are going to relight the candle of hope. And today we are going to light the second candle. It is known as the candle of peace. It too is purple. The color of royalty to welcome the arrival of our King, Lord, and Savior. The flames remind us of the message of peace on earth that the angels proclaimed. Listen as I read in Luke chapter 2. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of whom his favor rests. So the promise of peace is not that our lives will always be peaceful, calm, and relaxed. It is that the Prince of Peace will be with us, as we are called to show his presence when we come in contact with those that are sick, hungry, grieving, and lonely, so that they too may have this same peace that we as Christians do. Let us pray. God of comfort and prince of peace, may we not focus so much on our own needs but for peace that we neglect, that we so often neglect those that are around us. Open our eyes, Lord, to the need of those. Use us to lighten their burdens. And I pray, dear Lord, they will see you through us. For it is your name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Prince of Peace, that we pray. Amen. And now would you stand as we sing hymn number. Ninety-three, it came up on the midnight clear. Would you stand? Oh. worship our Lord through our giving up our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you. Lord, thank you for the blessings you have given us. I pray that you will bless this offering. Use this offering to further your kingdom. For it is your heavenly name that we pray. Amen. We sing the first Noel all the time. So it's good to know that the word Noel means Christmas in French. The song, the First Noel, the verses of the song tell the whole story, the complete story. And it also encourages us to give thanks to God for his incredible gift, Jesus Christ. Worship with us as we sing.
0: Thank you, choir. I had to move some of these cords around so you guys didn't get to see this guy try to get up off the ground. Because it would have been bad if I'd have tripped over one of these microphone cords up here and fell flat. Because I guarantee you there's some of you guys in here here with the laughed. Oh, Robbie Molinax, you would have laughed your head off. Yeah. yeah, afterwards, yeah. Well, guys, today, the title of the sermon is God's Christmas Plan. And I'm going to tell you, you look at me and you can tell that I love Christmas. I've got the beard, I've got the belly, and I've got a red suit hanging in my closet. And I absolutely love putting smiles on people's faces. I love everything there is to do with Christmas, and I'm going to probably have to turn in my man card when I say this, but I even like those cheesy Hallmark movies. I love Christmas. Now, my favorite stuff is the, the old stuff. Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, White Christmas. I love that stuff. Gene Autry singing, Here Comes Santa Claus. Nat King Cole, all that. I love all. Mel Torme. I love all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. All of that has nothing to do with God's plan for Christmas. And so today, today we're going to look at what God's plan for Christmas is. So if you would turn to 1 Peter. Now, you guys may say, wait a second, there's nothing about Christmas in 1 Peter. Yes, there is. Trust me. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. If you stand as I read God's word today, here is what Peter, the Apostle Peter, writes. He says this He says, Knowing that you were not redeemed, with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in the, these last times for your sake, who through Him Are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Our blessed Savior, thank you for coming. Thank you for being our Messiah. Thank you for what we see written by Peter here in these these verses. Lord, speak to us today. Bless the reading of Your Word, and it's in Your holy and precious name we pray. The name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The first thing that I want you guys to notice is this, is that God's Christmas plan was a plan of redemption. A plan of redemption. Look at what it says there in verses 18-19 through again. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. This word, redemption, it's defined as the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. That's the definition of redemption. And guys, just leave that definition up there for a little bit. Okay? This destination or definition, think about what it's saying. Action of regaining. That means that once you had something, you lost it and had to pay to get it back. Why were we created? Why were we created? What's our purpose? Why are we here? We were, we, we were created to have a relationship with God. When He created Adam and Eve, He walked and talked with them. He created them so they could choose Him and have a relationship with Him. Because of sin, that relationship was broken. And so redemption means that we who once belonged to God now belong to God again. Because of the redemption. The cost of that redemption was the blood of Christ. The spotless Lamb of God. So When God sent when when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told Mary that she was going to have a child, and it was going to be the son of God, and it was going to be the Messiah, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. When she he told that, Gabriel came with the authority of God Almighty and spoke for God Almighty. We have to understand this. this. This is very important that we need to understand this. Is that angels are not the, 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 the chubby little cherubs that we think they are. Angels are spiritual warriors for God. They are constantly fighting for us and that's in Scripture. They are warriors. But not only are they warriors, that they are messengers. So in the the Bible, when an angel would show up and talk to somebody, people didn't go, oh, they're so cute. Look at them. Look at those chubby little legs and those rosy cheeks. They're just so precious. They didn't do that. Every time an angel showed up in the Bible, people were scared. In the Old Testament, they fell flat on their faces when angels showed up. So here Mary is, this young girl, and we have to understand that she, we're talking about a girl that's 12, 13, 14 years old. She is a young girl and she's in that house and the angel shows up and stands before her and she looks up and sees a warrior for God in all his magnificence speaking with the authority of God Almighty. You think she was scared? Yes. Do you think she was troubled? But what's the first thing He said to her? Don't be afraid. When the angels showed up to the shepherds, what did it say the shepherds did? They trembled in fear. And what was the first words the angel spoke? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Because we come to give you glad tidings of great joy. That great tidings of great that, that good tidings of great joy was the story of redemption. The Messiah was coming. God's plan for Christmas is not a jolly old man in a red suit. God's plan for Christmas is a savior a story of redemption. Then God's Christmas plan was not put what or excuse me God's Christmas plan was put into action before creation took place. You guys realize that that before breath was breathed into Adam, before God said, "Let there be light." before He took a rib from Adam's side and created Eve and placed them in the garden, before He did any of that. God's Christmas plan was already put into action. Look at what it says in verse 20. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. the plan and the work of Jesus and His purpose was not something that was developed at the last moment or late in the course of redemption. It was the plan from the very beginning. Jesus was active in creation and knew what the plan was when He was active in creation. Now, I want to show you a couple of other verses or a few other verses. Look at Genesis 1, verse 26. This is when God had created everything else, and the crowning achievement of his creation was us, man and women. He said in verse 26 Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Whose image? That pronoun is important. Whose image? Our. Our. I say it like a country person. Our. Okay? Image. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the, the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now look at Genesis 3.15. Well, actually, before we go to there, just hang on right there for a second. You can leave it there, but these pronouns here in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, why are those pronouns so important? Why are they important? God's doing the creating. Why doesn't He say, let me make man in my own image. Is that what it says? It says, our own image. That means there's plural people. There's multiple people involved. It's the Trinity. That's exactly right. God is saying, let us. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we know they were involved in creation because we see that in other Scriptures. So when when He says, let us make make man in our image, it's the three of them working together, which means that Jesus was involved from the very beginning. He was involved in creating us. And here's the great thing about create, about the redemption story of Christmas is that even though God who knows all things and Jesus being 100% God became 100% man, but He did that even as far back as creation He knew that we would reject Him. He knew that Adam and Eve would be disobedient and they would take the one thing that God told them to stay away from because they wanted it. God created them anyway. Jesus created us anyway knowing what it would cost Him. And that blows my mind. That He loved us that much. That knowing that we, what it would cost Him, knowing the pain that He would have to endure, He still created us. And on top of that, He still came to earth. And He was born a baby. And He was placed in a feed trough. Wrapped in cloth. You guys realize that the cloth, the swaddling cloth that they wrapped him in was the same type of stuff that they would wrap bodies in for burial? Here, the king of all the earth, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the prince of peace, he was born a pauper. And he was placed, wrapped in death clothes, placed in a feed trough where animals ate. Because there was no room for him. And the first people that came and bowed down at this newborn king was not other kings. It was not the rulers of the earth. It was a bunch of smelly, stinky shepherds. but that was God's plan. Now look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. It says, "And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and you shall bruise or he shall bruise your, you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel." This is where God is cursing the serpent. Satan And he tells him, and in fact, I think the King James Version, I like the word, it says, crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. You think about this. What God is doing there is he's foreshadowing what's going to happen. He's telling Satan from the very beginning when he he cursed Satan. He said, listen, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. In other words, he said, you're going to think you win, but all you're going to do is c- cause him a minor discomfort. But when he hits you, it's going to be for real. Now you think about this. Those of you, you're outside, you're running around, and you're playing and doing whatever, mowing the yard now, I can just walk through my bedroom and get a bruise on, my, on me. It doesn't matter. But you get bruises on your feet, and, and we always call them stone bruises, that that it get it just hurt like you step on a rock and you get that bruise on the bottom of your foot and every time you took a step it you could feel it. It didn't really keep you from doing anything. It was just uncomfortable. But but I was out there working in my yard. What in the world is that? <clears throat> I was out working in my backyard trying to put in fence and I raised that post driver up and I came down and hit it on the top and Robbie Mullinax knows exactly what, I ha- what I'm talking about because the same thing happened to him. And I brought that thing down and hit that and that weighted in. I hit the top of the post instead of going all the way down on top of it and that t- weighted in, flipped back and hit me in the head and busted my head open and I, started seeing, I literally started seeing stars and blood started pouring out of my head And it was all I could do to stay upright. I mean, I just wanted to collapse. That's a big difference between that and bruising my heel. It is a very big difference. You ask Goliath how it felt getting that rock hitting right between the eyes. It knocked that big man down and it cost him his life. from the very beginning part of God's uh, Christmas plan was the fact that Jesus would defeat Satan. And I can imagine this. If you're reading scripture, <coughs> excuse me. If you're reading scripture, <coughs> excuse me. If you're reading scripture and you read the the account of the crucifixion and resurrection, you know That the moment Christ died, the moment he died, Satan and his minions were celebrating. And for three days they were celebrating, thinking they won. Now I know there was a lot of Clemson fans that were celebrating last night because they beat the Tar Heels. And they were they were probably going crazy. And if, if Gardner Webb would have, have won against William and Mary, Bowling Springs would have been going crazy today, too. But I'm going to tell you something. It is nothing to compare what Satan and his minions were doing when they thought Jesus was done, that they had finally beat God. And God let them celebrate for three days. And then God said, uh, not so fast, guys. Okay, Jesus, wake up. And the stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out of that grave alive and well. And I can, I can imagine Satan thinking back, and you know, God told me that I was going to bruise his heel and he was going to crush my head. I think we're in trouble now. And Jesus even though Satan thought that he had won Jesus got the victory because that was God's plan of redemption and then look at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God all things came into being through him and apart from him nothing came into being, that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. There, John tells us, Jesus was active at creation. He was there. The plan existed even before creation. And then God's Christmas plan has to be accepted to be seen. You hear a lot of time, seeing is believing. Well, God's plan has to be known. It has to be accepted before you understand it and you can see it. Look at verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Who through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Listen. Before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord. I went to a Christian high school, a private Christian high school, from 7th grade all the way through 12th grade. I had Bible class every day for those years I was there. I knew up here what the Bible said. I could tell you about the different doctrines. I know most... Every once in a while, Sandra will pull out a song I don't don't know, but I know most of the songs word for word because I've sung them my whole life. But until I knelt at that altar when I was in college and I prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I didn't understand any of it. And until I accepted what Jesus had done for me, until I accepted God's plan for me, I didn't see it. And even now, the Holy Spirit is still revealing things to me. And I will read Scripture and I will look at things and I will read a verse and I'm like, I cannot believe that I have never seen that before. It's just something just clicks. But until you know, until you accept Jesus Christ, you will not know. And there are so many people that are walking around right now that Christmas is not a redemption celebration. Christmas is what they can get. And they just don't understand that we are celebrating the birth of of our Savior. And they want to do everything they can do to remove that aspect because they just don't agree with it, they don't believe it, and they don't see it. But we have to understand that the purpose of Christmas, what we are celebrating by lighting these candles, what we are celebrating by the Cree and the manger, and what we are celebrating in our songs is... The birth of the Messiah. The fact that God is with us. Now God's Christmas plan was done with perfect timing. Done with perfect timing. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son born of a woman born under the law so that He might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. <clears throat> See, we, what this verse is meaning, and we could say, well, the Roman Empire brought relative unity to most of the known world <clears throat> because the Romans had conquered and there were Roman soldiers placed everywhere. And to get those Roman soldiers to and from where they needed to go, the Romans built roads which enabled travel to be easier. Because of the presence of the, of the, the Roman army, travel was now safer, allowing the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can also say that even though the world was conquered by the Romans, It was the Greek culture that brought everybody together because there was a common language used throughout the entire empire. It was a commonly spoken Greek language where people could communicate with each other. So allowing the spread of the gospel. And because of the Roman Empire, the Jews were desperately seeking the coming of the Messiah. Now, they misunderstood what that meant. And that's part of the reason they didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah is because they literally thought that the Messiah would ride in as a conquering king on a white stallion and drive the Romans out of Israel. That's what they thought. They didn't expect a servant king They expected a conquering king. Now one thing we have to understand, when Jesus' first coming, when He came the first time, He came humbly. But when He returns the second time to call His people home, He's going to be coming as the king because it says that He will return on a cloud, the same way He went away and there will be a blast of the trumpet and the shout of the archangel when Jesus comes back. He will be coming back and every single person will know it. Very different in His second coming. But what this verse means, when the fullness of time came. Yes, it's all these other things, but the basic meaning of this verse is this, is that when God was ready. When the Father said, it's time. Jesus came. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I don't know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows the time that the Son is returning. And when the fullness of time comes, He's going to come to call His people home. Which means that when God says, Jesus, it's time. When God is ready, Jesus is going to come back. But His timing is perfect. And finally, God's Christmas plan is His Christmas present to all of us. Yesterday at breakfast I was in costume. And I have to admit I don't know who was more excited, the seniors that came through or the children that came in. They were all excited, but the little kids came running up to me, sitting in my lap, and mom told me that it's the first time this one little boy had ever wanted to talk to Santa. And I asked him, I said, you know what the greatest Christmas present ever was? And he looked at me and said, Jesus. And I said, that's exactly right. Jesus is our Christmas present. God loved us so much that he gave his son to us and for us. Look at John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. (coughs) For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But verse 17, listen. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. See, even back when the Bible was written, We had this problem that people, when you expected more out of them or you told them that what they were doing was wrong, that they thought you were judging them. They thought that you were hating on them. And so John writes, he goes, no, that's not the reason that Jesus came. That's not the reason God sent Him. God sent Him because He loved loved us. And God sent Him so that the entire world could be saved. But we have to accept that. And we have to understand that. That Jesus loves us. And that through all the Christmas plan, through the plan of redemption, through the plan that was created before creation took place, for the plan that that was perfectly timed, all of it boils down to Jesus is the greatest Christmas present that anybody could ever receive. Because He is the Messiah. He is the spotless Lamb. He is the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The Prince of Peace. He is God with us. Now during this invitation time, it is now your opportunity to respond to that gift that God gave us. What would you do with Him? Would you accept Him as your personal Savior if you've not already? We would love for you to. Come forward. We will will be glad to explain. We've got other people here that would be glad to explain to you how to accept Jesus as your Savior. It's not hard. Are you looking for a church family? We would love to have you come with us. If there's other things that you just need to come to the altar and pray, it's open, it's available. Don't leave today without doing whatever God's telling you to do. As we sing this song, this is your opportunity.
1: We sing our hymn of invitation, 572. I would love to tell the story, 572.
0: Thank you for being here. Sorry I got choked up and started coughing. <clears throat> I'm still coughing. But um, thank you for being here. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, choir, cantata practice, 6 o'clock. Everybody else, Wednesday night, Bible study at 6.30. Um, play practice at 5.30. Cantata practice again at 7.15. So... uh, and, and pray for that group that's going to Boone on, on Tuesday. Don't forget, we're, we're leaving at 8 sharp. Also need to let you know that uh, the church office will be closed on Tuesday so that Nancy is able to go with us to Boone. So uh, remember that, that we will not be in the office Tuesday. If there's two spots left, if you want to go with us, see Joy and now, as we dismiss, thank you for being here. And Joy, would you mind coming and dismissing us in prayer?
1: Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for this Christmas season And what we can learn about um, Jesus coming to earth to save us for our sins, God, we just thank you that um, you made that available to us and that we don't have to go without the joy of being Christians. We just ask you to go with us all as we go through this day and as we leave this place. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.